Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Welcome to SEM Synergy. I'm your host, Bruce Clay, and this is our weekly digital marketing podcast. We're in our Simi Valley, California office right now, and we have a special guest in the studio today. A longtime friend of mine, he's the 2014 Search Personality of the Year. He's a senior product marketing manager of the Bing Webmaster Program ecosystem. This is Dwayne Forrester. Hey, Dwayne. Hey, everybody. Hey, Bruce, and thank you for having me. It's fantastic being here in Simi Valley. It's uh, it's actually my first trip to Simi Valley in this area, and um, it's fantastic to say. Thanks for bringing the sun. Yes, you're welcome. Well, it's California. Uh, Dwayne was down in Southern California for a conference, and uh, I was able to convince him to come up and talk to us a little bit. One of the questions I have is your title is ecosystem. What is an ecosystem? Yeah, um, so it's it's a little bit different. You know, most people know me from Webmaster and, and that sort of work that I've done launching the tools in 2012. Um, over the last six months or so, we've kind of evolved a little bit. You know, the tools are still there, the teams are still there, they're maintaining it, but I've taken on more things. So we're looking more about um, doing work with the APIs and the developer community and looking at, you know, how we actually ingest data from different sources and how we can use those things, what data types we're looking for, and then going out and finding them. These are all things now that I'm also involved in. So there's an expansion there, basically, and the concept has moved just from strictly on webmaster more to this ecosystem framework it doesn't appreciably change a lot of my dates day i still do work with webmaster i still maintain the blog we you know we still travel to the conferences and do the speaking and all of that uh, but it does mean that i have other opportunities personally within the organization that i get to expand into new areas and i spend a lot more time now meeting with different businesses looking at different data sets understanding you know, based on our modeling and projection of how things will grow in the future and how search will serve those needs, the data that we need, who do we go partner with? What are we looking to accomplish? And then what does a beta test look like? And then do we hand that over to business development and grow it into a broader category of support or what? So it's pretty involved. So uh, are, are you less uh, involved in things like the impact of mobile on search and more on how we move data and support people? Is it more of a developer or a, or more of a in-house SEO or, or is it broader than SEO? What, exactly, yeah, what is it? It is, it's actually a lot broader than SEO. We recently launched, uh, it was last month that we had the Build Conference down in, uh, in San Francisco for Microsoft. And at that time we launched a website called Bing.com WAC Solutions. And that website is actually designed to enca- encapsulate all of the different areas that businesses or developers can interact with Bing. So we're talking about webmaster, we're talking about places, we're talking about APIs, either we ingesting them or we are sharing out APIs. All of these factors come together under this one umbrella and can be easily accessed. And so it's more of that broad approach, so it is beyond just SEO. Um, we have a dedicated mobile team, that's their job is to build the mobile plan and how that works through search. 
Um, you know, you've seen mobile uh, mobile changes with algorithms and how they've actually been called out and said, you know, hey, we have a mobile specific algorithm now. Now we have two different algorithms we're using to rate things depending on the device that people are coming in on. Um, those things are very much what these teams work on. Uh, I don't work directly on those teams, but I know all those teams. And so when you see those postings coming up on Bing Webmaster Blog, those are the teams coming to myself or my counterparts. Vincent Warren is my counterpart within uh, the Bing Webmaster area. Here I will make sure this gets posted up on the blog and people can actually learn more about it. Um, and there's a, there's a bit of a, a stick action happening in the background where we kind of run around and we talk to the teams and say, what can you share? Oh, no, you can share that. You can, you, no, trust me, you can share that. Go ahead, write a blog post about it. You know, And, and then you know, we go through all our approvals and get it out there. Um, but we are seeing that it makes a difference. We are getting a lot more uh, sharing happening from the mobile teams, the indexing teams, the core search teams, all of them sharing these things because they realize that you know, if, if they want better index, they want better quality results, that has to start with the quality of the product that's being put on the web. And that starts with the businesses. That starts with all of those developers, all of those website owners, all of those experiences ultimately feed to us. And if we can help them make it better, well, then we get better along the way. Well, that, and that makes total sense. How, because it's an outreach program, right? How do you get in front of people? You're, you're still going to be going to conferences. Yep, still at the conferences. Um, small, small difference on my end is that I'll probably have a fewer um, I'll have fewer search industry conferences this year, but I will pick up developer conferences and I will be at the developer conferences. We will be on the floor there engaging with people. A lot of things will end up happening simply because we will identify a source that we want to partner with and we will just talk directly to them. And so then it becomes still travel related, but I'll be in the area because I'm meeting with a particular business and we want to onboard them as a partner and, and that kind of thing. But I'll still be at the major shows. I'm still planning to be at SMX Advanced. I'm going to be at all these big ones coming up. In fact, I'm going to hop in two weeks, I think, take a run over to Paris for SMX France. And um, that'll be uh, a good time because who doesn't like Paris in spring? How lovely, right? Oh, this is Virginia. Um, before SMX West, uh, yes. In February, mm -hmm. we got a chance to interview on you on the blog, mm -hmm. and uh, we asked what's on the horizon. And you know, you did give us some big insider information. Yeah. You kind of um, peaked uh, lunar advertising. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a that was a pretty cool one. Um, I, I can't actually confirm that uh, we won't be moving forward with lunar advertising. Aww. Unfortunately, no. Um, it, it, it's just not there. There's some discrepancy of the legality of placing ads on the moon <laughs> that no one has actually claimed ownership of the moon and we won't. the planet won't allow that. Therefore, you know, we have to take a back seat to it. Um, so unfortunately, for those of you who are actually you know, starting to pool your money for lunar advertising, um, I advocate you put it into pay-per-click. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can understand why some people might think it graffiti. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so then, for real, maybe what's going on with mobile ranking at Bing? So, um, mobile ranking is really important. Obviously, uh, with pretty much everything we do, it's, it's very much the searcher-centric focus. So, what does that experience look like? And it's very obvious. Everyone knows this already. You know, you have to have a very good experience on mobile. If you don't render a good experience on mobile, then you lose the affinity of the people. They be generally become dissatisfied with you and they kind of move away. Um, we face that same wall as everyone else does, except the problem that we have is we also have the added hassle of we have to return the result and it has to nail it every time or people are disappointed with us. 
people aren't disappointed with the website that's that's poorly designed and doesn't render well. They're disappointed with the search engine because we didn't give them a good result. And so to avoid that, you see this growth of the mobile-specific algorithms happening. And there's a very good reason for it because it makes it a lot easier to be able to go into that environment and assure that that user, when they're on a mobile device, is getting the best possible mobile experience. Along the way, you start learning things like, well, the mobile site is not quite as rich, it's not quite as engaging as a regular desktop site could be. Well, you've got a lot smaller real estate. And taken in context, someone doesn't necessarily want the latest beautiful 3D movie playing in the background on their handheld device because they're walking down the street trying to get to a location because they want dinner at this restaurant. The first thing in their mind is, I want to go to dinner, not, you know, what does this experience look like and how do I feel about this place? It's get me to my location. It's give me the object I want right now. It's less about, I'm just interested in researching. It's more about, I have a task I want to complete. And so the natural outgrowth is, you, know, you will see that these algorithms will develop specifically for that mobile environment. Along the way, you'll see things like, you know, you tag these things that are mobile friendly so that the searcher then has some indication. That's a step for us to help the searcher understand, but it is a very long road to walk down because it doesn't matter how much you actually put that out there, the general population of users will take a long time to adapt to that change and say, oh, okay, hang on a second, I get it. So if it's tagged with mobile friendly, I have a better experience when I go there. But it is something that we feel is an important step to alert people to. What's next beyond mobile? Because for years we've been trying to prepare businesses for the mobile coming, right? Yeah. So is there a next step that we can already try to prompt ourselves to be prepared for? Is it like augmented reality or wearables? I, or? So I'll tell you, I can tell you what I wish it was. I wish it was augmented reality and I wish it was here right now. I would absolutely love to walk around with this colossal headpiece on and view the world that only I would see <laughs> because that would kind of catch me up to my normal and then I would feel good again. But the reality is that these things, we've all seen this, everyone saw Google Glass come and go. All right, I had glass, I still have glass, um, I still don't use it. He's not wearing it right now. No, so. no, I'm not. Um, uh, it would be something TSA would, uh, I would happily be okay if they confiscated and <laughs> mailed it back to my home. It's okay to kind of beat up on it. It didn't meet my expectations, but in some ways it exceeded my expectations. Because as a first generation object moving us in a direction, I think the biggest thing that something like glass does is expose society to the coming change. And now you start to see things like Oculus and you see things like HoloLens and you see all of these ideas that are natural outgrowths. And let's be clear, all of these things were under development at the same time. Like you don't bring something to market just after something else goes off the market because it took you a month to develop it. Now, these are years in development and you know the timing to roll out uh, is, is generally decided uh, by a number of factors the least of which would be a competitor's product. But the fact is that if you've ever seen any of these recent developments and demos, I've recently seen a HoloLens demo, and quite frankly, that technology will change how people learn, which will in turn change the education system in America, which will then have a greater impact on society than almost anything else, because we're talking about the ability to cut down a degree to become a doctor from $300,000 to $100,000. What happens when all those students then are actually earning more faster, education costs are lowered, 
these have implications across everything. And that's one concept, that's augmented reality and what it can do for us. Because its ability to show you the lessons that you want to take, it exceeds anything else that's available right now. Imagine that you're a doctor in training and you're thinking about, I want to prescribe this drug to this person and I would like to see how this drug impacts the nervous system in this person. Okay, well in an augmented reality environment, that three-dimensional view of a human body gets exploded out until the nervous system is shown in its entirety on its own. And then as the drug is inputted, you actually see how it impacts that. Closing down capillaries, slowing down circulation, having an impact on sensors or on nerves and on the, the actual senses that are being picked up and then translated to the brain. You see all of that. And then if you introduce another drug, you start to see how that interacts with the first drug and the changes it makes. That is a vast difference between telling a doctor, here are 10 drugs, take a look at them, we've compared a, prepared a matrix for you of how they all interact with each other, memorize the entire thing so that when you find yourself at the junction of X and Y, you can tell me what the likely outcome is of combining these two things. That's how we educate today. It will be very different. Reality, augmented reality, I personally can't wait for these things. I'm, I, I'm, I've already told my wife to clear the credit card because whenever one comes to market, it doesn't matter what the price is, it's coming home and, and that'll be it. But this is where Google Glass was pivotal for us because it's that first iteration, it's that Gen 1 of a product. And that Gen 1 taught us that being able to talk to our technology, as goofy as it felt the first few times, actually had tangible benefits for me. Now we have things like Cortana on my phone. I'm constantly talking to my phone now. And what's entertaining and intriguing about it is that she talks back to me. And I can carry an ongoing conversation across multiple points of reference, just like it would with a human being. And the system understands that what I mean is a continuation of the conversation, not individual, individual, individual each time, but a continuation. So things have really progressed. Wearables, wearables are going to be huge. They're huge now as a talking point when we talk about these things. Um, the example I like to use is I'm wearing a Microsoft Band right now, and as inelegant as it may seem, it is a Gen 1 product, it's actually comfortable, and it does an amazing amount of things for me. Not least of which is displace every watch that I have in my collection at home. Bought the band six months ago, haven't worn any of my watches in six months. Does it take your biofeedback yep. and stuff like that? It tracks my sleep, my steps, my calories, my heart rate, it does all of those things. It also alerts me to people who I have in my circle within my digital assistant, in my case Cortana, and if those people, if I go into quiet mode for a meeting, if those people contact me, it will pass them through, but it will block everybody else and then send them a message saying, Dwayne's busy right now, he'll get back to you shortly. Not content there, it will also remind me when my calendar opens up again that I have messages pending from a bunch of people. If Cortana actually pings, I can talk to my band and dictate my answer and it will actually capture it and then send it out for me. So, and I use this when I'm texting back and forth with friends while I'm doing something because it will read out loud the text and then I can respond to it and it will send it back and do all of those things. None of which my Timexes can do. I'm really struggling with this. I love my watches, but they're a one-use thing. Two, if you include fashion. Now we're starting to see companies like Mont Blanc out of Switzerland are bringing a smart band to the marketplace where you will actually be able to put the band on any watch face and it acts like a watch strap for you, but it is also Bluetooth compatible and has similar data showing.
So now you've kind of bridged that gap of, I don't have to give up my fashion, but I can still have my data. Here, let's talk a little bit more about digital assistance and some of this, um, but we will take a quick break. Yeah. Can you stick around, Dwayne? Yes, definitely. All right. More SEM Synergy with Dwayne Forrester of Bing is on the way. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm. Hi, welcome back to SEM Synergy. And um, our special guest today is Dwayne Forrester. He's the Bing Senior Product Marketing Manager. And he had a chance to stop into our office in Simi Valley, California. So hi, Dwayne. Hey. Before the break, we were talking about digital assistance. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a technology. It's either Cortana or Siri. Mm -hmm. um, it's that way that you can talk to your phone and they'll give you results. This technology is able to do a lot um, behind the scenes for us. Yeah, there, there's so much more to this. And, and as we go through this, you'll see how things like SEO, good old-fashioned SEO, actually plays a role in this. I was going out the other day and I promised my wife I would pick up the mail on the way home. And I am 
probably the worst human being on the planet for making these innocuous commitments and then totally spacing out on them and just not and walking in the house happy that I'm home and hoping everyone's happy to see me and being genuinely baffled when I'm asked where's the mail and seeing the disappointment because I had previously promised I would get it um, so I grabbed my phone and I said set a reminder and it said what I said get the mail when when I am near home again that's the when so these digital assistants understand proximity to a location. They understand location because it tracks my time there over a period of time. So over about a three-week period of time, my assistant looked at my pattern of whether I was in the office, whether I was at home, and it determined that home was where I was when I was there for a long period of time overnight. Now, this took me longer than normal because when I got my phone, the first thing I did after I turned it on was went on a series of business trips. So my overnights were in different places. I was in New York, I was in Boston, I was in Chicago. And so it was trying to determine if those were my homes. And then eventually it stabilized and it learned where home was. But now I can tell it, when I'm near home, remind me to go get the mail. And as I'm driving up the road behind my house, physically separated from my home by about 1,200 feet, my phone lights up and says, don't forget to get the mail. I thought that was brilliant. That's incredible. So these technologies, they're, they're with us now. And, and as, as they become our expected normal every day, they will start changing how we behave and our expectations, obviously. Beyond that, there's other technologies, things like telematics that play a role in our lives. Um, if, if folks have an automobile, they'll know these things like the OnStar system or any of the systems where you can touch a button in your car and talk to a human being and ask them something, that's telematics. And that ability really starts getting back around. It seems kind of like, you know, hey, this is pretty high tech and that's awesome. And it's like, you know, having a personal valet and I touch the button and I ask, you know, give me the best barbecue in Seattle. And then the answer comes back. The directions are beamed down to my GPS and my car knows where to go. And this is magic, you know. It's not quite as magical as it might seem, you know. The, the reality is that when you ask that question, there's a human being doing a search on a search engine and then looking at things like Yelp reviews, pricing, consumer ratings, and then coming back to me, the asker, and saying, hey, here's the best barbecue in Seattle. Would you like to go to that one? And then I can say yes or no. They can send that to my, my GPS. They can remember it in my account, and then I can get it back later from them if I want. These sorts of services are becoming more and more ubiquitous. And these are the types of services that are happening with these digital assistants as well. This is where SEO starts to come right back into the forefront. You're looking at ratings and reviews information. You're looking at how well the site actually ranks. You're looking at paid advertising playing a role here. You're looking at um, schema.org, whether you've got stuff marked up or not, and whether these assistants can actually use these signals to determine on their own hey, you know what, Dwayne likes Chinese, he likes high-end restaurants that are rated well, and he likes restaurants that are mid-priced or higher. He's okay with that. And therefore can start telling me things like, hey, did you want Chinese for lunch today? Yes, right. here's one, and I'll take you there. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear us talking again about SEO. Yeah. Uh, you know, being the SEO manager here, it's something that I'm always focused on, obviously. And first of all, I wanted to commend you on being Webmaster Tools, which is a, a brilliant... A brilliant platform, a brilliant dashboard. Uh, it, it provides data clearly designed to help webmasters make the right decisions about uh, how to optimize uh, their their sites. Uh, you know, to to re be represented better in search. Can you talk a little bit about what went into designing?
defining that and what your vision was for your relationship specifically with mm -hmm. webmasters and offering them this type of insight and data uh, yeah. to a degree being a, a lot more data than you might get from other platforms and other mm -hmm. search engines that are uh, you know kind of in the same space. Yeah, um, well first off, I, I want to say thank you for the kudos. Um, the, the team that was behind the tools at launch, still largely the same team that's behind it today, and uh, those guys are amazing. I mean, these are guys who, you know, we would sit down in a room and we would just say, hey, we have this idea for tool XYZ, and one of the guys just didn't go home that night, and he just stayed there and programmed it overnight. He knew where all the data sources were, he knew how to make it work with the server capacities that we had, with the expected volumes we were looking at, he did all the load testing and everything. And we literally came in the next morning, and I got a call from the, the developer lead saying, you know, Dwayne, you got to come down here and see this, right? I'm like, what happened? Like, did we melt something? <laughs> like, and and sure enough, I walk in, and there's a bleary-eyed Alex sitting at his computer. You know, I'm like, Alex, you look like heck. What happened? <laughs> you know, and he doesn't say anything. And then Reed, our lead developer, points at it, and he goes, hey, he built the tool we talked about yesterday. Wow. And I'm like, and he goes, well, since we talked to him and you came in, and I'm like, what? And, Alex just says, I'm going home now. <laughs> that, was, that was it. Like, the, the team is amazing. And, and so this comes back to the point where, you know, the reason that the tools were built the way they were is there's a few layers to this. One, a number of years ago, I used to work at MSN helping lead the uh, SEO program there. So at scale SEO. And when you're doing at scale SEO like that, we're talking hundreds of millions of pages. You do not have the opportunity to go in and do ones and twos of anything. Sure. It's not possible. And more importantly, you need ways to kind of curate your information so you know what to look at and focus on. And so we did that by building our own crawler, building our own tool set with our own rules, and saying, crawler, go fetch, tool set, collate, rules, order, and prioritize. Sure. And then the output was what we would look at as a team and say, ah, MSN Autos, you need to go work on this. MSN Health, you need to work on this, and so on. And so that tool became like a real, uh, a real item for us. I mean, we had big budget behind it. We did all these things. And so when I moved over to Webmaster Tools following that, one of my pets was, hey, you know what? Like, we've got this great thing running internally. Can we just release it to the wild? Ultimately, the answer directly was, and, and that maybe was because there was a lot of rules in there that a lot of them were things we didn't need to pay attention to. And so we just kind of called them out and got rid of them. Um, some of them were maybe a little too close to the mark, so we pulled those out as well. Uh, but then there was a lot of stuff that we built in that just didn't exist for us. Like, we didn't need to do internal keyword research. There was, like, that sort of thing didn't matter to us. So, so the keyword research tools we built were built specifically for this iteration. So we just literally sat down, and it helps that the two people who were building and designing, specking, and testing the tools are both SEOs. Yeah. We both run our own websites. We were both deriving revenue from them. So we got what it took, and we knew what we wanted to build. Like, we, uh, we wanted to build what we would want. Exactly. And, yeah. and, like, and so we just kept, like, throwing ideas down to the point where we filled up the dev resources that we had and said, like, we couldn't possibly do another string of code because every minute of every day is accounted for building this. And then I looked at that and said, yeah, that's pretty good. And my boss looked at it and said, holy crap, that's incredible. And we pushed it out, and you know, thanks to the community of users, it's been a huge success. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. it's a brilliant product. It really is, and you can tell it's designed by SEOs. It's almost by SEOs yeah. for SEOs at the end of the day, because uh, all of the insights that we probably wish we had had uh, or, or need, we knew we yeah. needed, you know, to, yeah. to actually succeed, uh, are all there and accounted for. Oh, and we sweated the details, like the colors of the lines and the graphs and how they showed up. Sure. And, 
you know, how where we put the date drop downs. And this is why I'm such a big proponent. I mean, Bruce has heard me say this on stage. Anyone who's heard me on stage has heard me say this. Like, I'm such a huge fan of usability testing. It's, it's incredible, you know. It literally took our tools from being close to the mark to being a complete bullseye when we launched them. That's great. That was usability testing. Sure. And, and I highly recommend that to everybody. Now, I don't know that you can kind of tell us, like, what's, what's uh, projects that are actively being developed at Bing, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it would be interesting for me to hear from both Rob and Dwayne and even Bruce, like, do you hear any business um, businesses in your, you know, outreach and helping them create these projections? And um, do you get any tools, wish list items? Or Rob, do you have any wish list oh. items you'd like to share with Dwayne? <laughs> I can tell you from my perspective, um, there's no there's no sense being coy about this. There is absolutely a wish list of items that comes to me. Um, I never don't get wish list items. <laughs> that is a consistent inflow. Um, what's remarkable to me is how much overlap there often is, right? There's a lot of chatter that happens in the industry and comes up, and you'll have different versions of the same concept, basically. From there, we have to look at it and understand what the business implications are for Bing. Because obviously, if we will invest our resources, there has to be some return on that for Bing. And sometimes the return can simply be if you build a better website, the better the quality of search results are, the better it is for Bing. Sure. Other times, the resource, the, the return on that resource investment has to be much more direct. And so a lot of ideas are great ideas, but then the resourcing behind them, it may be a $2.5 million a month cost to us to actually enable that at the level it's desired. I can tell you right now, right? Webmaster Tools is not a cost center. <laughs> we don't make money, right? Right, right. right. I, I guess it really comes down to uh, the customers that we're serving, right? Absolutely. Uh, being, obviously, you guys are responsible to your searchers and making sure that yep. your results are the, the best that they can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as SEOs, we're responsible to our businesses and helping mm-hmm. improve their bottom line. And we do it by improving their website substantially and mm-hmm. you know making them more usable, uh, making them more searchable, you know, repairing the index, making sure that uh, they're crawling and, and are considered properly by search engines like mm-hmm. yours. So it's really the marriage of those two things, the intersection, yeah. that gives us an opportunity, yeah. obviously, to use a tool like Webmaster Tools and kind of leverage yeah. the insight and the data that you guys have access to for our purposes. And I, I can tell you the interesting part of this is that um, if there were no such thing as black hat tactics, I think you'd see the engines being even more transparent and even sure. more helpful. Because ultimately, you know, if I want you to paint your barn blue, it would be probably good if I called you, talked to you, and sent you an email asking you to paint your barn blue. Sure. If I knew that the world needed more blue burns. <laughs> well, I know the world needs more blue burns. The problem right now is that if I go around telling everybody it needs more blue burns, then suddenly all these fake blue burns start popping up, <laughs> and it becomes really difficult to separate an actual blue burn from a fake blue burn. And... And this, is, this will always be a challenge. And right. this is why you see this gap that exists, right? Um, you know, we otherwise wish there was no gap, I and mean, it never existed. Right. Um, it would still mean a lot of work for SEOs and for businesses that, like, that's not going to change because you build a website, you build it the wrong way, it needs to be fixed. That's it. Um, and, and still today, you know, it's still not something that everyone intrinsically understands when they build websites. They yeah. just, they don't just say, oh, I wish the conversation was, we're building a website, don't forget SEO, build it in. Right. We're not there yet. <laughs> From my point of view, certainly tools, since we have our own tools, um, 
it's easy to imagine that there's an infinite list of things that you could always add. Yeah. I mean, the search engines aren't standing still, your competition's yeah. not standing still, technology advances. There's all sorts of things that you could add. Uh, we fundamentally teach that there is a difference between data and wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that historically, a vast majority of the tools will point you in a direction or uncover, if we're lucky, uh, something that doesn't seem right, mm -hmm. but the only reason it doesn't seem right is the wisdom component. Mm -hmm. um, wh where is the crossover between an actual tool and the education to use it? Yeah, that's, that's always a tough point, right? It's that old conversation of giving a man a fish or teaching a man to fish. Ideally, we'd be in a position to teach every man to fish. Unfortunately, there is a high cost to that because being able to teach the man to fish means a lot more time with content, a lot more structure around learning criteria and fundamentals, literally building coursework for people to teach them. These are not things that are fundamentally an area of focus for any search engine. It's, that's not their business. Um, that's something you leave up to that business itself to learn to understand, which is why there's this multi-billion dollar industry called search. I mean, it, it fills that need. It helps people understand. And, and really, Webmaster Tools is designed to provide some baseline understanding of how the search engine is interacting with you. If you're smart, there are tools in there that will help educate you along the way, that you can use that knowledge in other areas. Most businesses simply take it at face value and they say, oh, you say that this is a problem for SEO and I should fix it. Okay, I'll go fix that and there you go. Certain among them will look at that and say, well, hang on a second. If I take all these reports and download them and I look at all the different things here, they're telling me that this is a problem. And so I'm going to create my own list of problems. And now I have the wisdom to know that any time this pops up, this is the fix I have to go do. So now you're not dependent on, well, I have to go back and run the report and see that it is wrong, in fact. Now you know. You can go catch that fish on your own. And that is an important step, right? Um, a lot of businesses don't come close to that. They don't take that step. And, you know, for a lot of businesses, it's not important that they do. That's not their business. That's not who they are. They are the florist, the locksmith, the tire store, whatever. They're not digital marketers, right? Which is, again, why the industry exists to support these people. Because the industry wants the same thing that these people want, which is them to be more successful. Because if they're more successful, then the business that's helping them is more successful. It's, it's very, you know, this concept of business is very old. How it's being applied, very new. There's basically the two steps then. Um, the tool will provide you with the data. Mm -hmm. And people have a choice. They either become educated, yeah. which many people cannot afford. It's not their core yep. expertise. Yep. Or you hire a consultancy yep. that is able to operate with the wisdom exactly. and guide you directly, which is why I think yep. SEO exists. Yeah. And pay-per-click and social media and exactly. everything else. Exactly. And it's, there's, there's a fundamental moment where um, every business has to understand what it exists to do, what its core competency is, and almost as important as that is understanding when you're starting to extend past that and when you should stop. And I think that's what you see with the search engines. Like We're really good about, here's our tool, here's the how to use it guide, the context of why you would use this, we leave that up to you to understand that. You have to go educate yourself and do this. Because 
in order for us to capture every possible instance and do this, we're really starting to expand beyond the area of our expertise. And on top of that, there is a hard cost. Everything a search engine does has a hard cost to it. Crawling a single URL costs us real money. And when you crawl trillions of URLs a month, <laughs> that's a significant amount of money. And so we are reluctant to go crawl crap. We are reluctant to index poor quality sites and pages. We want the best possible mobile and desktop experiences because there's actually dollars attached to all of that. And I think that you know a lot of people in the industry and in businesses, they oftentimes forget that component to it. They think, oh, you, know, you make a lot of money on pay-per-click and this is where it is. But the reality is that there's a high cost to running a search engine. That's why you don't see in the early days, you know, you would you will remember all of the pop-up search engines mm -hmm. that existed, and today you just don't see that. Yeah. Like the numbers have dwindled considerably. But more telling is you don't see the rapid running forward saying, Oh, I'm gonna launch a new search engine, I'm gonna launch a new search engine, I'm gonna launch a new search engine. Because the barrier to entry is significant at this point. The expectations of the consumers is far, far more advanced. It's not just give me a list and if it's close, I'll wade through it and find something that's useful. Now it's I have a problem. Literally stated as I have a problem. And the search engine is expected to understand the problem, solve the problem, and get it absolutely right. You know, that's a pretty big step forward. And if you're a new business coming in and you're trying to solve for that, oh, it's a huge gap to, to leap over. Huge. And this is why I think, you know, things like the industry that we work in, like, these things, this industry is so fundamentally important to business, and it will be. We all hear the same stories. SEO is dead, long live <laughs> SEO, blah, 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 you know. The only thing that's going to die with SEO is possibly the name, which I'd be okay with. Like, we need to move past that, you know. You don't see businesses today being named SEO something or something SEO. You see them being called digital marketing, internet marketing, because it, it, it does encompass more. And if you're just singularly focused on SEO, the pool's going to be pretty thin at that end. You know, and then the people coming to you are going to look at you and say, oh, you know, that's awesome, but hey, I heard about this thing called social media. Can you help me with that? Nope, I only do SEO. <laughs> awesome. Well, the first person they talk to that says, oh, no, I do SEO and social media, you lost them. So, you know, it, there's so many layers to it. It's, uh, it's an incredible industry, I have to admit. Thank you, Dwayne. I think that's the perfect note to end today's show on. Um, from Dwayne's mouth, SEO is not dead. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for talking about some great topics. We got to talk about search and its integration with future tech, including digital assistance and wearables, and search tools today, like what Big Webmaster Tools offers businesses. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Dwayne. Thank you, guys. It has been awesome visiting with you in Simi Valley. Thanks to Webmaster Radio, and thank you for listening. Get more notes from this week's show, as well as live coverage of SMX Advanced on the blog next week. That's bruceclay.com slash blog. See you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business -business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. 
The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.